good evening. Welcome to this week's Man of the Post Extra Time. I'm your host, Chris. Uh, with me this week, I have got Ryan. All right? Hey, yeah, I'm good, you? Yeah, hungover? No, not at all. Yeah. I don't know where you got this idea of me on the Northampton lot. Well, you said you were going out last night. Yeah, with work. And it's obviously not... I worked today, yeah. so it obviously wasn't going to be that messy, was it? No, but you could at least have... You didn't even have one drink. I had a quarter of a drink. A quarter? Because I, I asked for a flavoured cider, and the guy got me an apple cider. I thought, this isn't flavoured. So I tried to drink it, I apple didn't flavor. like it. And then, yeah, but I was like, no, this is what I want. So I drank some of it, I thought, this is gross, and then I stopped drinking it. I never... That's my Thursday night. Thank you, everyone. So presumably you had enough time to go home and make lawn. <laughs> Don't please it. It you know our back, our fence is broken as well. So that's another problem. Are you going to well, fix now that? Now the boats are going to get out. Yeah, I've got to fix it. So it, basically, yeah, it's all broken. <laughs> Jesse, you all right? Oh, I'm I'm terrific. I'm great. I'm with you guys. So what can be bad? Exactly. Justin, how you doing? Doing fine. Excellent. Any problems in your back garden this week? Um, no, I've just successfully swapped out the distributor of my 1993 Toyota MR2, and uh, it works. There you go. Ryan, this is the sort of thing you'll be doing in a few years' time. I was about to say, you just made me look really bad there, Justin. Thank you. you know, well, I've had a number of other, pro- another other projects haven't gone so well. so It's fine. We don't talk about those ones. It's all right. Yeah. We- yeah. I took a delivery today of some stuff that came on the back of a lorry, and I helped use the crane to take it off. That's cool. That's how that go? No, that was pretty good. Nothing got broken. Everything worked out well. But yeah, you I know, might... there's a there's, there's a universal male weakness, and that is if you don't happen, if you happen to work some kind of white collar job, or you're not uh, ex- especially handy, when you get around those who are, you try to fake it. Um, oh yeah, and so like. Some some big delivery comes and you 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 go out there in a suit and try to help a guy with a giant pallet and sort of change your accent to match his a little bit. It's a very strange thing. I may be starting off on just like every wrong foot here, but I'll just put in that that's a universal male weakness, regardless to just fake it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I got this. I can do this. This is my. Oh yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I can well, move that car. It's fine. <laughs> yep. You know, we've bought into a lot of social conditioning. <laughs> well, I was, all right. I, was, I, I was working from home, so I was actually wearing T-shirt and shorts. So I, I was looking just as um, blue-collar as they were. How's the weather where you are, Ryan? I mean, uh, uh, Chris. Um, it's okay. I mean, I live in Cornwall, so everyone wears shorts all year round. So okay. shorts and T-shirt right. isn't particularly unusual for here. Um, gotcha. Right. Well, this week I had a little brush with, um, with, brush with fame this week. Matthew Etherington, Tottenham Hotspur's Matthew Etherington, uh, or former Tottenham Hotspur's Matthew Etherington, has got a book coming out, and he sent a little tweet out about it, and I replied saying, I hope there's something in there about uh, West Cornwall Meatpackers, which is a really, really niche thing, because <laughs> his uncle owns a meat distribution company down here, and he favourited my tweet. <gasps> so, Are you a Spurs fan now? I, I'm a Matthew Etherington fan now, because <laughs> he, he comes from down the road. So the three of you, any brush with uh, greatness like that on Twitter? Sorry, he favorited it. He yeah. didn't reply. No, no. Okay, no. <laughs> the favorite, you know, the funny thing about Twitter is that the this conversation is over button looks like a little heart. It does. Yes, it does. <laughs> wow. I mean, but my brush, it, it's, 
I got tweeted back by the Skype for Business corporate Microsoft account. <laughs> that was that was only a couple of weeks ago. So that's the most recent example. I got I got two messages off them actually. So they responded, didn't just favour it. They responded. I responded. Then they responded again. Wow. Go on, you two. Oh, I don't. I don't think I've been tweeting at the right people. I th- I think if Jesse ever follows me, I would consider that my brush with fame. I think I do. I don't think you do. Oh, oh no. How do I? Oh. Why we're doing oh, ab- no. why we're doing admin, Jesse? You've been on these podcasts for a year and you've not followed the man on the post account yet. Oh, oh you guys. <laughs> it, it could be worse, Jesse. It could be that you're on the podcast and the man on the post account doesn't follow you for a six months. <laughs> that, that was a, that was an oversight. <laughs> I think my whole life on Twitter is an oversight. All right, well now. Well, listen, at the end, when you guys say, this is how you follow me, that's all going to be information for me. Okay. And you're going to hear clicking. And it's going to be me following. Just that you got, right. you're a blue tick, Justin. So, you know, all your interactions are surely with the rich and famous. Yeah, I just, you know, I don't want to make, I don't want to brag. <laughs> <laughs> you and Barrett last week, Mr. Obama, you were just sort of out chatting amongst yourselves and... Oh. <laughs> uh, okay, right. We're going to talk about the champions. Tell him I miss him. Tell him to come back. Uh, I I miss him too. I'll, I'll pass that on. <laughs> okay, thanks. We're going to talk about the Champions League this week. Uh, some Premier League previews and predictions. Uh, FA Cup first round and various other bits and bobs. And there's a fixture I should imagine Justin is very particularly excited about, which we'll come on to later on as well. So. We will start first of all Wednesday night. Spurs three, Real Madrid one. Um, right, let's not do the Real Madrid terrible thing. Let's big up Spurs, shall we? Because that's the nicer thing to do. Uh, Jesse, you're the Spurs. Can fan. we do both? Can we do both? We can, I th- I we mean, can do both, but it, it's just yeah. nice to praise Spurs rather than saying Real oh, Madrid played badly. I actually don't think that Real Madrid played badly. I think had this been another team. Not called Real the same exact team, having done the same exact things. Not called Real Madrid. I think it would have been a different conversation. But this is not the Real Madrid that we are uh, we we are expecting to see. Hmm. Um. So I think there were some really great plays. The fact that they kept pressing, there was, you know, a high press well into the 80th minute, which is why they got that late goal. I think you know, you're oh. A team that has Tony Cruz and Luka Modric making those just stupid fast um, and and uh, again, my language is failing me, but you know it's it's in there in some language. It's just not the language that you need. Um, parallel runs. There you go. Um, is is always going to be a threat, but this was not the Real Madrid team that we're used to seeing dominate early and then not let up. Um, so it was a little bit surprising. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, I thought it was a full stop rather than a comma. No, no, it was. And then, <laughs> and then I interrupted you and then it was bad. Go. <laughs> no, that's fine. I mean, Kieran Trippier was left very much alone for his for the cross for the first uh, Deli Alley goal. 13 assists for Kieran Trippier in 2017 for Spurs. Um, and then, of course, Casemiro missed his side tackle and Ramos turned his back for... Deli Alley second, so it wasn't great defending. Um, Deli Alley bounced back after his criticism, uh, and Tom Fuller with Ashley Young at Old Trafford this week. Um, of course, they'll meet with the England squad as well now. Ashley Young's been called back up, so it was kind of redemption a little bit for him as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I think. I mean, Deli Alley, I am totally biased, so take this with however many grains of salt you want. But I 
love him. I think he is, um, he's, he is in a not, uh, dangerous Mara Bellatelli. You know, he's got that, like, mischievous 21-year-old kid in him that has way more money than he knows what to do with and probably any kid should have. And he's sowing his oats in a way that, you know, makes him do really stupid things that I would rather he not do. Um, but I totally understand why he's doing it. Um, and at the same time, he plays, so, he's, he's completely immature at times and he is, his football prowess is so mature. His vision is unbelievable. The passes that he picks out and the places that he puts himself on the pitch continue to astound me every time. I mean, he just knows where to be and he knows where everybody else on the field is. Um, and and when he gets criticised, he comes back with a game like this. Uh, Real Madrid's first loss in the Champions League group stage since 2000, right? Um, and the biggest margin of defeat since a 2-0 home loss to Juventus in 2008. Uh, this is a very different Tottenham beast from last year in the Champions League, isn't it? It is. Uh, and it's, it's a bit surprising because, you know, the team hasn't changed that much. You know, I, I mean... Correct me if I'm wrong, Jesse, but the, this, the lineup is, isn't terribly different from last season, so it's surprising to see how well they're performing this year already. Um, what I did find interesting, Chris, was the the, the, re- the retweets that you were tweeting after the game, because um, <laughs> that wasn't you know giving Spurs the credit, was it? <laughs> it's brilliant. It- if you put a team name in and then celebrating like afterwards, you'll get loads of ones like that where people say, oh, they're celebrating like they've won the Champions League or something. <laughs> it's brilliant. Um, Justin, next up at Tottenham is the uh, Chris Armstrong derby as they're at home to Crystal Palace. Um, for their terrible start at home, Tottenham are third in the table. Um, this victory and the 4-1 against Liverpool at home, this Wembley hoodoo's gone, isn't it? Yeah, it's gone. It's put to bed. It was only just a matter of time. Um, I think we spoke uh, a few pods ago about how when you've got a new stadium or, in this case, a temporary one or a new home, you lose a lot of the the home field advantage by not having an established routine yet. Um, so the, the more games they play at New Wembley, the more they get used to the routine and, and the more it feels like their ground and uh, whatever had been troubling them in the past about it seems to be gone now. Uh, no Hugo Lloris or Toby Arderberold, um for Spurs. Sacco and Van Arnhout are down um, with Menteke definitely out for Palace, who uh, haven't beaten Spurs at Spurs' ground since 1997 when Neil Shipley scored in a 1-0 win. Neil Shipley, Justin, he was a good player, wasn't he? Yes, he was. He was a little guaranteed Bayern Championship manager to score you 20 goals down the lower leagues. Um, it might seem all well and good, but Palace have got 12 points versus the top six in 2017. They can't do it, can they? No. Yeah, I don't think you can discount, though, what it means to not have Lurie single. Who would it be? Michelle Vaughan, would it, in goal? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and Larissa's is captain, so it's more than just it's his, it's his presence on the field as well. Our captain goalkeepers as captains is overrated, I think. But sorry, were you going to stick up to for Michelle Vaughan there, Justin? No, I, I mean I do think that <laughs> when he was a, a little bit younger, when he was at Swansea, he was a, a regular number one. He was a, a a more than serviceable goalkeeper, but um, he's he's got 
what you would call the number twos about him now. Um, and he, Larice is special, so it really isn't about um, Michelle Vorm as much as, you know, any limitations Vorm may have. It's just that Larice is a different level of, of shot stopper in particular. And so um, even if Vorm plays well for him, for him it's, it's still not the same level. Okay. You know, I have a two-year-old who calls um, poops number twos. So I think you just said that Michelle Vorm has the poops. Let's hope not. <laughs> I just wanted to add a little bit of classiness to the pod. So you're welcome, everyone. You're welcome. Thank you. It wouldn't be the first time that Spurs have been done by the poops, though, would it? <laughs> uh, Group H now stands as Spurs have qualified. They are on 10 points. Uh, Real Madrid are on 7. Dortmund and Apple Nicosia are on 2 points each after they drew uh, 1-1 at Dortmund. Uh, Pote scoring again versus Dortmund. A rather nice little turn and shot there. Ryan... Chris. Roma 3, <laughs> Chelsea 0. Do we have to talk about this one? Yeah, I think we should dedicate the rest of the podcast to this one. Um, Wait, can we... Yeah, but as long as we get like one minute to talk about Patrice Evra. Oh, we get a minute for great. Patrice Evra, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Let's do it. Ryan, let's talk about Chelsea. Uh, okay. Stephen O'Shaari with, with two um, and Perotti with the with the last one. Right, what was better? Um... Shirawi's first goal, which was all his work and just unbelievable, that strike with the outside of his boot, I think, or uh, El Shirawi's second goal, which is that nice little gift from Antonio Rudiger. I loved the first one. The, the first one was just an incredible hit. I mean, Alonso should be doing a lot better to, to block the shot, but I mean, the, the, taking nothing away from the hit, it was just sublime. I would suggest, Ryan, that it doesn't matter what team you support, you can't help but stand in your front room and applaud a shot like that. Uh, the thing is, it Obviously, it was like the first like minute and a half. Chelsea just, I think Pedro just found a chance. Obviously, Roma went up at the other end and scored. And, you know, when it's so early in the game and your bias is almost a little bit less because you, you, you're not in the game yet, you haven't got the, you know, the must-win-at-all-costs thing, uh, you, I just sat back and went, you know, that's a cracking finish. There's nothing that yeah, I can't be, like, really upset about it. It's just a great hit. First loss... Until you, and, hmm? Sorry to say, first English loss in the Champions League this season. Yeah, it's really... I mean, it could have been a couple of weeks ago when Chelsea played Roma um, at the bridge as well, uh, which says a lot. Um, But I've got a question for you, Justin, actually. As a goalkeeper, watching the level of defending that Chelsea had on display, which could probably only be described as Sunday League football, as a goalkeeper, if you're watching your defence sort of make such basic errors. How does that sort of play on your mind? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I, I, I think Courtois might have noticed, you know, he would he would have noticed something was amiss in the performance and things weren't 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 going well. Uh, I think you take responsibility for it as a goalkeeper and you try to get it sorted out. Uh, if you remember the chance in the second half where three Chelsea defenders chased yeah. uh yeah, you know, yeah, the man with the ball. I mean, um I would, I would, I would hope in a situation like that, Courtois would have seen that happening, seen the man they've left in front of goal, been communicating. But, but you know, I think a collective sort of panic takes over. My favorite example is always going to be the Brazil Germany seven one from the World Cup, where if you watch that, it's a great lesson in in anti defending. Um, each individual Brazil player is aware that they're it's going very very badly, and so their human instinct response to it maybe as we were saying earlier, Jesse, this is a male thing. Hmm. Their male response to it is, "I will fix it," and what what that leads to in defending is a bunch of 
players chasing the ball, um, trying to win tackles. So in that game, if you remember, David Luiz stepping out of the back to try to win tackles in midfield and getting bypassed, and et cetera. And Chelsea just got into that same sort of mindset where they're experienced professionals. They know how to play the game. They understand how to defend. But something takes over in the brain that says, no, I'm going to solve the problem myself. I'm going I'm to run over there and, and win the ball. And, um, and it obviously was a night where it didn't work out that way. So as the goalkeeper behind all that, I think you, I think you just communicate and try to get people staying in shape staying in the defensive shape and not chasing the ball so much. What's, what's interesting is you put up the Brazilian game, uh, the Brazil-Germany game, because there's one constant in both of the, that game and the Chelsea game, and that's David Luiz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is, but it, that's the thing. Someone was talking to me about it, and it was I said the, the three players that chased after Jacko for that chance was Rudiger, Luiz, and Aspilicueta. The, the total cost of those players, discounting Aspilicueta because I think he was fairly cheap when he signed, but he's grown into a top-level Premier League defender. Luis, 40 million. Rudiger, 30 million. You're thinking, this is a really expensive defence, and, and they've all ran to the same ball. And Dzeko, who you know had his time in the Premier League, left, has is, is completely mugged them off and, and passed it to a man in space. It was just, it was just astonishing to watch the, the terrible defending. Well, Chelsea will be heartened by the fact that uh, Atletico's draw at home Carabag means that they're still in with a shout of qualifying because they're now in second place on seven points. Roma are top on eight. Um, and Atletico Madrid and Carabag are on three points each. That was a bizarre game. Who saw that one? I watched the highlights of this one and, and it was the... They, they did not seem like highlights. Was the game mm-hmm. as... as sort of... Un, was the whole game like that? Well, they took the lead Carabag, and then Atletico got the goal back. I think it was Thomas with that rather lovely sort of kiss of the ball with his right foot into the top corner. And then Carabag had a man sent off. He thought, well, this must be it then. Um, but it never, ever came. And it ended up with uh, Stefan Savic getting sent off towards the end for Atletico Madrid. A really, really strange game. Mm. Really weird Champions League this year. With You've got teams that you'd expect to be going through to the, the you know, the knockout stages that are just struggling. I mean, you've got Dortmund and uh, Atletico, both teams that are on such low point totals. And yeah, okay, the, the, the groups are relatively difficult, but you'd still think with their quality that they'd be And it's not like they're up. playing B sides. You know, this Atletico team is 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 dominant. It's, they should be know, beating Carabag. I mean, every, easily. every time, easily, every time they play, they should be beating Carabag and guaranteeing yeah. that they should be on at least six points at this point. Right, it's not, you know, got... this isn't like the Colombia national team that sends out, like, you know, the their their C-squad's younger cousin's dentists mm-hmm. when, they, when they go out and play. Like, these are, these are, this is the squad that, that, that we know, that, you know, just, you're right, it's... I did ask uh, on Twitter uh, if Carabag was the best Scrabble name for a football team. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I got all sorts of replies back. I got Inverness Caledonian Thistle, um... No, you need a Z and a Q in there. Yeah, I got Angie Macachaka. Come on now. Angie Macachaka. Queen's Park Rangers <laughs> I got. Oh, that's it. Uh, that's it. Zurich on a triple word score, someone suggested. And <gasps> then uh, at DJ Gabby G, who's a, uh, he's either Hungarian or Romanian, he said, uh, Igertetis Torna Ostitali Futsal Club Jaior. That's brilliant. Which, wow. That's a whole 
three wor- six words for a football team. That's across wow. the board, though. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, though, QPR, because then you've got your Q and your K. It's not bad. Yeah. Um, who bore the brunt of uh, Antonio Conte's wrath through all this? <laughs> I can't. I, I, thought, I don't actually. It must have been against all the players, really. No, it was Kennedy. Why? <laughs> because unused substitute Kennedy had the temerity to yawn during um, oh, the, <laughs> the post ma- match team analysis. Oh, come I did on. not see this. No, I what didn't. was interesting? I was going to say what was interesting is Matt Law, the uh, I think it's the Telegraph, I think journalist. He's, he's obviously quite a big Chelsea journalist, um, and he tweeted after the game, waiting for a leader to come and step up. Um, and it was a, a few minutes had passed, and eventually the, the only one that came out. To, to speak to the press as Courtois, which I just thought was an interesting night. Goalkeepers, mm. Justin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always um, willing to take the responsibility. Exactly, exactly. Uh, right, well, don't worry, Brian, because you've got the small matter of Manchester United uh, at the weekend. This is the Jose Telecomte off the celebrating derby, this is. Uh. <laughs> just the Jose derby in general. <laughs> uh, Chelsea have lost one out of 15 at home to Manchester United. Right, Kante may be back. Pogba and Zlatan Ibrahimovic, there's a real outside chance that they're back but Manchester United versus Chelsea have lost 17 and conceded 66 they're their most bogeyest of teams in the Premier League did you see that that Mourinho threw a fit when somebody asked him when Pogba would be back no (laughs) yeah what did he say he used a very interesting mix of words in English and Portuguese and said that um, it's not his job it's the doctor's job, and he's sick of people asking him. Well, to be fair, he doesn't want to go, uh, sort of have any Give away the con- controversies with his doctors, does he? Well, uh, true. <laughs> <laughs> he did have a bit of a, a weird reaction to getting told that they hadn't qualified yet as well. I don't know if you saw that. I think the BT's sport presenter said, you know, good result, four wins from four. Um, you still need one point. And he was like, what? Do you, what? What, do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean one point? That, well, you, you, you know, because of other results, you still need a point. And he was like, oh, four wins means nothing these days then. OK, uh, we have to work hard and get that last point then. And the, the presenter was like, well, you're going to get it. <laughs> What's the problem? Well, just to, look, let's be a little bit fair to him, shall we, to Jose. Um, he talked about, we talked about pressure for Jose and he's starting to turn on the fans a little bit. But his subs have scored seven and... Uh, I've given four assists so far in the in this season. That's not too bad, is it? Plus they beat Benfica two 0 as well. Yeah, you know they're not going badly. It's there's there's always a question of style with Jose teams, and and that will always be a complaint. And and there's it's justifiable in in some ways. But you know a, a funny set of results in the last couple of weeks. Um, I think everyone remembers all the criticism that that, that Jose got after the uh, the nil nil at Anfield. Um, and then um, Spurs absolutely dismantled Liverpool. And I saw people making the comparison and saying, you know, Spurs showed the way, you know, you attack Liverpool, attack their weaknesses. That's what Jose should have done. But, but I mean, the, the salient point there was that, that United played them away at Anfield. Spurs, play, Spurs played them at home. And if you're going to make a comparison there, you would compare Jose's approach to a difficult away with Jurgen Klopp's approach to a difficult away. Um, you know, and, and Klopp in that game with Spurs felt that his midfield could match Spurs' midfield, which is which they can't, um, and and they were exposed very badly. And 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 so you know, Jose is a 
a, a risk-averse manager. Everyone knows that. Um, and I, I don't think we should get particularly excited for that for this game this weekend because I, I think he will manage the game and limit chances, set up his side to limit Chelsea's opportunities, and be happy to take a point. And I, I don't know that that's wor- as, as deserving of the withering criticism as it gets because um, it's at least uh, self-aware where you you would ask questions as a Liverpool supporter, why have we gone into this, you know, why have we gone to, to play Spurs so wide open and not protected, you know, the, some of our weaknesses at the back, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, well, since we're on this, um, Paul Silva, the Benfica goalkeeper, again, his look was out, wasn't it? The Nemanja mm-hmm. Matic shot hit the post, came back, hit him and gone in. That's never nice when that happens, is it? Um. It's it's extremely bad luck. I mean, he 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 has to take he has to take some some blame for the goal in the home leg that he carried across the line. Um, but uh, it's very very bad luck to have a shot hit the post and rebound onto your head and go into the back of the net. His goal scoring record for United is very good, <laughs> two games. But it's a shame. He may have moved his feet a little slowly. You know, Matic shot from from pretty far out, um, and it's the. It was the kind of range you would sort of expect a goalkeeper to get his hand on before it has a chance to hit the post. But he's only 18. I think he's done well. He saved a penalty that game. Yeah, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more, to be honest. Balls rebounding off post and hitting the goalkeepers and going in. Um, go on, let's talk about this penalty then, because I was going to ask you about your penalty-saving technique. What's your tip for any would-be uh, goalkeepers out there? It depends on the level, because uh, the, the top level, the professional level, you've got you've got players like... You know, Eden Hazard, who watched the goalkeeper, who keep their heads up and watch what the goalkeeper does, and they're trying to, to to get the goalkeeper to commit first and then just roll it the other way. Yaya Torre used to do that, and loads of professionals now will, will play, if not exactly a Panenka, some sort of shot up the middle, knowing the goalkeeper may go one way or the other. For those at levels below that, um, I think the statistics have always shown that players are a little bit more likely, like around 60% more likely to... to swing across their body with it so a right-footed shot would go to the goalkeeper's right um, can i ask a question yes um neymar's penalty dance i know it's technically legal but under these new fifa rules you're not allowed to stop and he does this like you know toe toe touch toe touch toe step toe touch how do we feel about this this is john aldridge or Simone Zaza. Yes. Oh God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's always up to the, the. Are the referees going to enforce that? Because as we know, the goalkeepers aren't supposed to come forward off their line, and they always do. And and the the penalty that Sevillar saved the other day at Old Trafford, he was miles off his line. Um. So you're right, though, Jesse. I mean, you're not you're not supposed to stop the motion once you've started it. Um. And maybe maybe. He gets away with it because it's not a it's a stop that then turns into another thing, like you say, a little dance, and then he uses that to stop himself and and keep his eyes on the goalkeeper. So it'd be interesting to see if a referee made him retake it one time. Yeah, I've always tended to wait until someone has struck the ball, and so you tend to pretty much dive in the right direction and hope they either don't hit it too far into the corner or not as hard as what you think, and you save it. And even if they do hit it straight into the corner. You look fantastic for still going the right way anyway. <laughs> so, you, yeah, you wait. You don't guess. You wait and just try to react to the shot. Yeah. 
I don't think that's a bad way to go. That 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 you know, particularly if you get into penalties, a shootout, because there's almost no team in the world that's got five penalty takers that are completely confident. Um, someone's going to be a little bit nervous and and maybe give you a chance to make a save if you just stand up and wait and react. Yeah, I thought Magic was the one time I think I don't even remember what year it was, but it was it was a penalty shootout and Gigi Buffon dove to his left and the penalty went straight to the center, which was great, and he managed to save it from his foot. <laughs> Something similar happened to Stuart Pearce in the World Cup semi-final against Bodo <clears throat> Wilgner, and I'm still not over it. Yeah, he hit it too hard. I remember that. That's the thing. If you're going to go up the middle, you've got to... If you hit it too hard, the goalkeeper's not out of the way yet. Yeah. Right. So so that was... Was that Andreas Kepka, Andy Kepka, in the German goal? He, he was diving... Bodo Wilgner. Bodo Wilgner, right. Yeah, yeah. So he was diving and it just smashed into his legs. I, I, I think the one Jesse's referring to was more of an actual save by Gigi where he, he flung his leg out and actually, yeah, yeah I meant to save it. But the Ilner one, Pierce just didn't give him a chance to get out of the way. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still crying on the inside watching that. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk some sexy football then. Napoli 2, Manchester City 4. Uh, John Stones' is level on goals this season in the Champions League with Lionel Messi. Um, they both got three. But we're all happy for Sergio Aguero, aren't we, Jesse? <laughs> he's yeah. a nice man, isn't he? Look, he's got a nice smile, scores lots of goals, seems very happy. Yeah, and as we know, that is all that qualifies men to be nice. Right? Yeah? Well, this no? is just taking a bit of a turn, hasn't it? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Chris started it. I didn't start it. <laughs> He just asked whether you think Aguero is a good player or not. Have you been stood up for a date this week or something? Have you been stood up for a date this week? No, I had a terrible date this week. A terrible one? Yeah. Does he listen to this podcast? That's not it. No, Ryan, edit this whole part out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can Can I say something controversial about Manchester City? Can you say something about Jesse's date instead? (laughs) <laughs> no, I, well, she's she's in Brooklyn, so it probably the guy probably talked about craft beers the whole time. No, I had to go all the way to the Upper East Side. Terrible. Yeah, that's boring. He didn't Thank come you, to you. Justin. Thank you. He no. didn't come to you. What? I mean, it's not like I, he made me go to Connecticut. Right, but that's still a bit of a haul from Brooklyn. My yeah. my girlfriend used to live in the Upper East Side, and so when we talk about New York and, and I talk about missing it and she says she doesn't miss it, I'm always biting my lip because I lived in the yeah. East Village and she oh. lived in the Upper East Side, and, and it's night and day, really. Oh, I mean, the East Village, I would never leave. Right. I don't yeah. know why I did. Yeah. <laughs> would you go as far as Thrapston for a date, Ryan? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I barely want to leave my street. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, just in Manchester City. I have the best team in the world. No. Yes, they are. I'm four more no. this season in May. Come the end, do you think they will be? I think. I think come the end. I think. Um, I don't. I'm, I'm not saying they'll win the Champions League because I think their one weakness is is something that's likely to show up in a one-off in a final, um, and that is the rashness of their defending. Um, so you would you wouldn't you, you wouldn't be certain that Otamendi isn't going to go get himself sent off in the eighth minute of a Champions mm-hmm. League final, but but I think in terms of having all the pieces as Madrid did last year, um, I think City do now, and um, I 
I don't think they can be defended, except bizarrely enough by Everton earlier in the season, mm-hmm. who can't do can't do a single thing right at the moment. But um, I, I think there's only two teams that matter right now, and it's City and Spurs. Annoyingly, I agree about Man City. Yeah. Do you think they're underrated? I'm going to go back to Aguero as well, particularly him being underrated. But um, should or are Europe, European teams afraid of Manchester City this season? They absolutely should be. I mean, they're getting the sword put to them. Anyone that that, that plays them, um, you may not agree. I mean, people no, may not I, agree. No, I, I, I haven't thought about it. The best in the world, but 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 the results are there, and it's it's the it's it's so many different ways they have to break teams yeah. down. I mean, De Bruyne is, I think, almost unstoppable. Yeah, and he and he's got he's you know and and, and Raheem Sterling is now producing an end product that 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 people may have wanted in recent years. Uh, Sane is obviously playing extremely well, and then the aforementioned Aguero, who's not even um, as we've talked about before, doesn't even appear to be one of Pep's favorites. He's still oh, sad. We fess down when we're talking about how good they mm-hmm. are. Yeah, it's and definitely they... a sad moment, though. <laughs> and they got World Cup winner Phil Foden, Ryan. Well, yeah. I mean, well, how, how many players did Man City? Was it just the one Man City players were in the England youth team? I don't know. I don't know. Unfortunately, did you watch it? I watched. I watched the highlights. Yeah. Because I know there was. Four or four, four or five Chelsea players, a few Liverpool players in the in the England youth team. Yeah, that so will never get a chance in the. First <laughs> team, of well, we shall see on Sunday whether any get pickers. Uh, Manchester City are at home to Arsenal. This is like a sort of another one for the purists, isn't it? Um, Kalasinic is a doubt for Arsenal, though. Uh, but City's two-one win last season was their first win in nine versus Arsenal, which did surprise me. But Arsenal had that nil-nil against Red Star Belgrade on that Thursday night in the Europa League, didn't they? They did, but Arsenal are a, a weird team to predict scores for because they normally they're actually weirdly consistent sometimes against the big teams. It's sort of consistent and inconsistent. I guess they 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 often get beat by the big teams quite catastrophically or they'll just turn it around and somehow absolutely destroy them. It's a really weird sort of thing to predict. It, it's one of these games that you think Man City are going to walk all over it. But I've, got, I've just got this, this sinking feeling that Giroud's going to score another wonder goal and they'll win 2-1. Minute. Also, he'll, he, he won't start. He'll come off the bench and he'll score. Uh, it just I just have this really sinking feeling that all the praise is on Man City. None of it's on Arsenal. Arsenal are going to somehow topple them. Oh, guess what? Arsenal have got Manchester City this week, so if the, and then the week after they are at home to Spurs. Oh shit! Go on, then. How, hmm. Between the three, the one-word answer: How many points are they going to get for these next two games, Arsenal? Six. <laughs> Jesse. Four. Justin. Where Where is the the Spurs game? Uh, they're at home. Um, Arsenal. I'll say they'll get one point out of those two games. Which will be where? They'll get a draw at home with Spurs. Okay. Which I don't think they will. I I, I agree with Ryan. I, I do think there's a little bit... So there's something to Arsenal this year that's just a little bit different. They've, In addition to a couple of the... You know, where, where they play a big side and, and just get absolutely run over. Was it Liverpool that did them 4-0 this season? Yes. 
Yeah, but then they went to Stanford Bridge and got a draw, did they not? Right? Did they? They did, yeah. Yeah, I think they yeah, did. So, so they're just maybe just a little bit more resilient. And then frequently they have these awful results in August and in the early weeks of the season. And then they go on a relatively long stretch of respectable results. And, and they do have good players. They, they do still have Alexis Sanchez, though. They do still have Mesut Ozil and other good players. And so, you know, on, in any, on any given day, they've, they've got the footballing ability to win, to beat, to beat anybody. There's been questions of mentality down the years, but, but um, at the Etihad this weekend, I, I don't see them getting anything. And then at home to Spurs, even that I think would take a very good performance, even by Arsenal standards, to get, to get anything more than a point. Okay. Is it cold yet in London? Except north. It will be cold. Mm. Mm, because when when Wenger puts on his big puffy sleeping coat, you don't know what magic's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys ever read Nick Hornby? Uh, well, I've not read Fever Pitch, but I've got it and I've seen the the film. He writes. I, I mean, I love all his stuff, but but some of his stuff about being like an early early Arsenal fan is is brilliant about just agonizing. Um, my favorite year is his story. Is just like it goes weekend by weekend and watch it Arsenal lose and suffering through every game. It's great. Well, the problem with fever pitch is it ends with them winning the title at Anfield. I know. I'm very sorry. <laughs> we won't talk about it. Well, Hey, speaking of Anfield, Liverpool three, Maribor nil. That was seamless. That was, that was like one of your Liga MX. Okay, pods, I Jesse. know. <laughs> I said, go for it. Alley-oop. <laughs> um, Mo Salah with the outside of his boot there. That was a, wonderful little goal wasn't it from that cross 10 is 16 he's got now um wait we're, we're actually talking about that game why oh that's just mean <laughs> daniel sturridge gets his first champions league goal in seven years seven years are you do you sign up to, have you seen what roy Keane said today roy Keane no. Said, no but i did just see a picture of roy Keane, and is he is he the unabomber <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Come on. Ooh, ooh. Roy Keane said, Justin, that if Liverpool were playing his back garden, he wouldn't watch them. Um, I did see that. I, I take it you subscribe to this view. I don't I don't at all. I think they're very entertaining to watch because uh, the, the attacking players are a delight and, and the defending players are liable to run straight into each other at any moment. <laughs> I don't know why anyone wouldn't want to watch that. Well, Ragnar Klavan and Jean Matip uh, completed 118 and 120 passes, respectively. Um, that's the most of any players on the pitch. I think that's the problem. I, I, I think that, um, you know, ball-playing defenders and passing defenders, it's all well and good as long as they first and foremost defend. Um, but, but I'm not sure that that's, that's the strength of, of those particular players. And, and again, it, maybe it's a, a, a Jurgen Klopp thing. He's asking them to play higher up the pitch in a pressing side and where it's important that you pass you wouldn't remember chris but the liverpool teams that won title after title after title um you know gary ablett and those guys weren't weren't stringing uh, I, I would how many how many passes did you say um 118 clavin uh, was 118 matip 120 okay that'd be a pretty good season for for some of the liverpool <laughs> defenders of old <laughs> And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we saw Leicester win a title a couple of years ago with defenders that primarily sat deep and cleared balls away from their goal. Uh, I, 
sadly um, I do remember Gary Ablett as well. And, yeah, uh, Gary I remember Ablett. them win- winning all those leagues. <laughs> you do or do not? I do. I'm that old. I'm afraid. Okay. Well, good. For you. I'm, well, I'm glad for you then. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> um, someone tweeted a picture of um, Maxi Rodriguez, Dirk Kite, Harry Mascarano, Fernando Torres, Jamie Carragher, and Stephen Gerrard, and saying, "Which one of these Liverpool players would you have back in our team nowadays?" I said Mascarano. At their peak, yeah, Torres. We don't need Torres at the minute, though. I think you'd still take. You surely you'd still take him, though, wouldn't you? Oh, he's gorgeous. So yeah, I would. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Dirk Kite has some pretty great hair. He's a Viking. Hmm. I think think... Mascarano's actually a, a, a pretty good pick. To be honest, Chris, I like. I, 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 that's what's missing out of this side. If you don't have, um first-class centre-backs to choose from in that list, then, then Mascarano's your next best thing. How do we have a Masha, mid-season? Masha also has that ability to, to whip he your defenders to shape. Yeah, yeah. How do we have a midfield of Alonso, Mascarano and Gerrard and we still didn't win the league? That's... <laughs> that is a very good midfield. Uh, if I yeah. recall correctly, Liverpool <laughs> fans had a song specifically about how good it was. We did, mm. we did. Uh, well, look, next up for us is the Julian Dix Derbies. We are away to um, West Ham, who have got Stephen Reid and Mikel Antonio back. Liverpool are without Coutinho and Wijnaldum and uh, Dejan Lovren. Um, oh, are you going to miss Dejan Lovren the most? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we won this 4-0 last season. Is it going to be something uh, similar this season? I think, I mean, uh, West Ham's fortunes turning around slightly or are they sort of still you know well, one playing pretty turning, terribly one week they're turning around next week they're um, back where they were yeah I think you'll yeah I think you'll be fine I, I, I West Ham is it your place or theirs it's at the London Stadium so it's not really theirs either <laughs> so yeah. it belongs to the people of London <laughs> shoot shoot low into the goalkeeper's left Who's in golf? Oh, Joe Hart, yes. Yeah. Actually, he did okay last week, didn't he, at Palace? Yeah, he's a good goalkeeper. He is. He, he's, he's, he's just had some... He's had a bad couple of years. He and Claudio Bravo need to go to, like, group therapy together. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I think so. Um, right, well, elsewhere in the Champions League, Group G, uh, Porto... Three RB Leipzig one. Um, Tina Werner with a Rogers gorgeous little lob there. Um, RB Leipzig are struggling this season's Champions League, aren't they? They're sort of inaugural one. They're in a tough little group. Besiktas, Porto, and Monaco with them. So I do feel sorry for them a little bit. Um, Monaco drew one one with Besiktas. Ryan, who won the penalty for Besiktas? I knew it. I watched <laughs> the highlights and I was like, I saw the player go down because he sort of twisted away from him. And he, as he got to the car, I was like. That's charisma, isn't it? Charisma's like, <laughs> gone down in the box. Oh, for goodness sake. Uh-huh. Uh, group B, Celtic unlucky at home to Bayern Munich. Uh, they equalised the Kingsley Komen um, first half goal. Javi Martinez with a little header that caused him to bloody his face. Who saw that? I didn't I see that. Hmm? I didn't see that. Didn't you see that? Yeah, I, I saw it he, he, when he scored. Yeah. Yeah, he got, a, he got a forehead into his cheekbone and he came up mm. from that. Was sort of covered with blood and and obviously a little bit confused. Yeah. Um, and PSG. Fin- Did they pull him off? Sorry. I don't remember if they subbed him or not. 
post-record, I've got something very funny to say about that. But um, ah. it's not a tweet of mine, but it's somebody else's. Um, PSG 5 and let nil. Kazawa with a, a hat-trick from fullback, which is quite bizarre. But um, it was a very good hat-trick nonetheless. Um, can, I, can I say it now before I forget? Someone tweeted the other day at Halloween. It says, imagine how many ghosts have watched you pull yourself off. But, you know, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> is it bad that I don't understand that? Probably it's is. probably better that you don't. It's probably it's fine. It's fine. It's probably better that you don't. Just yeah, fine. yeah. You're too innocent I to know that. I'm thinking about it. And I see. Don't, don't Ryan stop. explain. <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> no, I don't. It's not okay. Okay, just imagine them all stood around and then leave bed anyway. Um, Olympiakos three nil nil with Bayern Munich. It's uh, the first time that. Uh, no, Barcelona. Wait, did you just skip right over the rest of PSG? Well, I did. Is there anything else you want to talk about there? No, not at all. I thought, I thought there was going to be some sort of Cavani thing there. Sorry. I know, I was waiting for it. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you should have been on last week, actually. Uh, Jared maybe send you that tweet, by the way. The other He's week. not my friend. Olympiago Strina and Barcelona, it's the first time they've not scored in a Champions League group game in five years. And Sporting drew 1 1 with Lisbon uh, with um, Juventus. So. Barcelona top that group. Juventus second on seven points. Sporting on four, and Olympiacos on one. Uh, that is the Champions League round up in the Championship. Uh, Sunderland drew three three with Bolton, after which Simon Grayson was sacked. Um, they're in the relegation zone. No home win in two thousand and seventeen. Uh, John Mentor, their former players, retired this week. Um, not that it has any bearing on anything, but uh, yeah. Ryan, this is probably the most toxic club in English football, isn't it? Oh, it is. Everyone hates Sunderland so much. I think even the fans, hate, like Sunderland fans, hate that club. I mean, I, I watched. Um, it was a clip. I think it was a Five Live thing, and they had a Sunderland fan on talking about how like disappointed he was with the game. I can't remember who the presenter is. He was like clicking away, clicking away. He says, like, "Oh, uh, Simon Grayson's actually just left the club." He was like, "Praise the Lord." Oh, this really? guy on yeah, this this guy this this fan was like, Oh, thank God, thank God for that and this presenter was like, Well who else are you gonna get? <laughs> exactly. They've gone through about forty seven different managers. He, he, which is what he said, he's like, You've gone through a lot of managers in a short amount of time, like who who's going to fix your problems? Apparently the last manager to get to a hundred games at Sunderland was Mitt McCarthy back in two thousand and four or something like which that. Which says a whole lot as it is. Yeah. Yeah, they just, need more than just though. They need like a new manager and a new like PR person because the way they handled last year was so terrible that it's like it's what you guys said. It's it's more than just it's like toxic. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd like to see, yeah, I'd I'd love like to see them go down to League One. Don't get me wrong, but it's just, right. they might do. That's yeah. great. But if their fans are feeling like that and everybody is just feeling like like. It's not only their playing that's so bad; it's the entire club that's so bad. They need, they need an overhaul. No, you're right. Um, FA Cup first round this weekend, uh, and it is Truro City in it. Cornwall's very own Truro City. Uh, they are away to League One, I think, aren't they? Charlton. I, I don't keep up with Cornwall teams. I wouldn't be able to tell you. Charlton's not. Are you going to go watch, Chris? Uh, no, I can't, unfortunately. Otherwise, I'd dearly love to. But it's up in London. That there, London. <laughs> I know you're from America and driving sort of seven hours is just like nipping a corner for you. But <laughs> <laughs> it's a very long way from down here. 
Hey, I complained about one subway to the Upper East Side, so I got you. But that's different, though. That's different. Uh, getting around New York City, yeah. I, I I'm driving to Orlando Thanksgiving weekend here in a couple weekends. It's about eight eight and a half hours. I I don't even give it a thought. Just get in the car and go. But yeah, Brooklyn to the Upper East Side. I'd, I'd better have a very good reason to do that. <laughs> but Justin, what podcast are you going to listen to while you're driving? Um, do I have the capacity to listen to, to while driving? I will probably download uh, an audiobook for that trip. Audiobook? Oh. See, what yeah. you should have said was, Man on the Post Sunday Show, or, <laughs> Man, or this exact podcast. Oh, I would God. I would definitely listen to the Sunday show. I'm afraid I wouldn't listen to any one that I was on. I'm not much of a fan of my my own work. Uh, I'm just sorry, I'm just astounded by an audiobook. Audiobook is is not quite as bad but almost as bad as an ebook. What was um, an audiobook? Uh, books what if he the... downloads Wait, what if he downloads um Last of the Mohicans audiobook? Oh. Ooh. Yep. There you go. If he's read by, if he's read by Jody May, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> that, that puts that other tweet in the <laughs> Yeah, how many how many ghosts have seen you watch last of the Mohicans? <laughs> I can't, um... <laughs> so what, what what else is happening in the FA Cup this? <laughs> Thanks, Ryan. I know what it's supposed to. I feel like it's okay. Use your imagination. Pretty good imagination, but it's not connecting. No, that's right. that's Did you get the part about right. ghosts, Jesse? Yeah, I'm only thinking of like people covered in sheets or like Casper. Well, that's fine, but I, I, I guess that the um, well, I don't want to be responsible for this. <laughs> <laughs> Just they, they, we can't see them. Yeah, they the can see us. We can't see them, but that they can see us, and so they might be privy. To some, what, what we would hope were private moments. Right. Okay. And then maybe you'd have to re- hear the thing restated again. You know what? It's fine. FA Cup. Yeah, Chris. What? Uh, just a couple of other fixtures I've picked out. Uh, League 2, Stevenage are at home to Nantwich, who play in the Northern Premier League Premier Division, which is pretty cool. Uh, and League One Rochdale are at home to National League Boreham Wood, uh, Bromley, and Boreham Wood are at home to League One Blackpool. Um, so there's many other. Just, Come. Are we going to? No, I'm not going through all of them. Not acknowledge the fact that I played for Boreham Wood. Oh, you what? did, didn't you? Yes, you did. Yeah, yeah, that's one of my former clubs. Yes. That's right. That's yeah, why you mentioned it down, Chris. That's Sorry. For the exact <laughs> reason. I keep thinking Dunfermline with Justin, that's why. <laughs> Sorry, you yeah. were born Boreham Wood, yes. I was at Boreham Wood for two different seasons and oh, if wow. I, I, I think that we I think I touched on this last when we when we talked last time and, and uh, about how I was I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but um when I made my debut for Boreham Wood, uh, we won, we beat Leatherhead and um and and Leatherhead missed a penalty. I didn't save it, but they missed it. But I was very excited, obviously, to have gotten a, kept a clean sheet in my debut and all that. And the Bournemouth Times comes out every Thursday, so I was looking forward to the match report on the Thursday when it came out, and it did, and it was a nice big story, and it mentioned my debut and everything. But it didn't say anything about me being American, which I thought was odd in 1988. Um, there weren't a lot of us overseas playing at whatever level. And so I asked someone at the club about it, and he said, yeah, that was left out intentionally. 
Um, Why? You even hated us then? Well, no, no, not at all. It was, um, and again, uh, apparently that whatever paperwork that would have needed to be filled out for a um, international player had not been done. So I was, I was just legally. No, no, no. I wasn't in the country illegally, but I, I guess I wasn't. You've been properly. registered to the yes. club illegally. Yes. Justin, did right. you have to like quick marry someone for citizenship on a work <laughs> I, visa? No, never did. Never, never got a work visa. Um, oh no. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I still have. It's funny when I hear people when they make little jokes about corruption and being paid under the table and little brown envelopes. <laughs> I actually got little brown envelopes. Were you instead of like being paid under the table? Were you like? paid under the net, paid under the goal? Like, is there some sort of fun, like, goalie euphemism? Get yeah, handed a water bottle that you put in the... Right, don't yeah, drink the paid under the glove. No, they, they, they just, just handed me a, a little brown envelope every Friday, and, and they hoped I would just spend it right there in the, in the pub. Brian, <laughs> <laughs> he had flavored cider every week. Yeah. Yeah. Justin, my father was a goalie in, um, in Uruguay, and his first club was Nacional. Wow. We're all, we're all Penarol fans, so meh. Yeah. But um, so he, he said that his name is Jorge, and his very first match also, um, he was really excited. He went to the newspaper, and they wrote his name as Eduardo Loesch. Oh, no. Instead of Jorge Loesch, and he kept it because he was like, well, at the very least, like, it's sort of me. They got a half second, right? man. Kind of, sort of. <laughs> yeah, so he has this, like, tiny clipping, and it's, this was in, oh, I don't even know, like, 1970, what, like, two, one, I don't know. And it's, like, you know, like, the, the when newspapers are, like, block printed, and it's this, like, tiny little clipping from, like, the, I don't know, Montevideo El País that he still has cut out with his name wrong. Does your dad have a Wikipedia page? Probably not. Don't Google. <laughs> no. We know what happens when we Google the Loesch family. Well, this Boreham Wood, they're still as multi-continental. They've got um, two QPR legends playing for them. They've got Portuguese uh, Bruno Andrade, and they've also got Colombian Angelo Balanta playing for them. So you're oh, some wow. kind of pioneering trailblazer there, Justin. You know, you know what happened is they they developed a a professional relationship with Arsenal, um, and so over the years, Arsenal ladies play there some games there. Um, they put in a three G pitch behind the ground, and so that gets used um, by various big clubs for very different reasons. But they uh, they play an, a a preseason friendly against an Arsenal eleven every every preseason. And there's just money's come into the club. I think I think mostly from that working relationship, and it's all I've got a picture somewhere. I'll tweet it of what that ground looked like when I played there, and it looked like what you would expect a non-league ground to look like in 1988, which is um, uh, how to say this respectfully without ref- referencing bombing during World War II. But I mean, they all looked bombed out. All the non-league grounds that I played in in that era. Um, you know, non-league has has become somewhat profitable for for you know for teams like at the national league and above level that can get six eight 
a thousand people in and 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 the, the grounds have been refurbished and all that but not back then no it is complete i mean bt sports show non-league football here most weeks as well so it is it's a different different beast entirely um yeah Right, other fixtures from around the world we got going on uh, this morning was the A-League. It was uh, Melbourne City nil, Sydney FC 1, Ryan. So there's some A-League coming for you over the Ooh. week, over the weekend. Um, Luke Wiltshire scored the winner. It's his first league goal in 10 years. Jeez, 10 years. 10 years. Uh, Tim Cahill got injured in that game. Uh, bearing in mind Australia got their playoff for the World Cup coming up very shortly. Uh, it's... Barcelona versus Seville in Spain. It is De Clasico, or however you say it in German. Uh, Dortmund versus Bayern in Bundesliga. Um, in Italy, it is Inter versus Trino, Fiorentina versus Roma. And Justin, what is going on in Argentina on Sunday? Um, it is, it's not a Super Clasico, is it? It is. This is an absolute terrible time for it. A river had a, uh, I'm still recovering from this. I don't know if anyone saw a River threw away the Copa Libertadores semifinal against Lanús. Yeah. In midweek, it was disastrous. Um, it's the first real disastrous uh, performance and result under under Gallardo since, since he's been there. And, and so, if you didn't know, they were one up from the home leg, away goals law in play. They go to Lanús and score the first two goals, so they're up three nothing, three nil on aggregate with two away goals from that position. They conceded four straight. That's, yeah. Now saying that. that saying that Gremio uh, would would have beaten them in the final and they will beat Lanús in the final if there is any justice. So I'm not as gutted by it as I might have been, but this the uh, the, the the Super Classico now comes at a at a bad time for River. I think you're at home as well. That helps. It always helps, particularly now. You know, there's no away fan travel allowed in Argentina anymore due to uh, they just couldn't. They just couldn't get a hold of the violence problem there with the Bear Bravas. And, uh, and, and so now there's no away support, so that helps. Okay. Uh, elsewhere, little bits and bobs that happened. Um, Bristol City are quote-unquote hugely surprised and consulting lawyers after Bailey Wright was retrospectively banned for simulation. Uh, he clashed with Fulham's Abubakar Camera, who had his red card rescinded. Um, and in the Europa League, speaking of clashes, uh, Patrice Hever. Mm. Uh, sent off for Marseille before a game um, so he's made history there in the Europa League uh, against Vittoria for kicking a Marseille fan uh, apparently he was insulted by them during the warm-up they said retire and stick to your videos or something like that because obviously he's a bit of an Instagram legend I'm going to start with two things that, that surprised me one is that it was such an innocuous insult um, he's French. They're full of sort of Gallic flair and passion. I mean. Surely it must have been something else, though. Like, right. I, yeah, I, I have to think there was more to it than that, but maybe not. But I, I have to think. From, from was... what from what I'd read earlier on, on Mirror Football, they said there was. I think the club has come out and said that the things that were being said were were wildly inappropriate and, and sort of very yeah, very. If not, then the reaction was wildly inappropriate. But that so yeah. that was my first reaction, and the second one was. The, the grace and, and then and leg extension of Patrice Evra is very impressive. Uh, yeah, it's we've come a long way since Seth Gordon Strachan couldn't get his leg over the advertising. Hall <laughs> yeah, in Mexico. Is, no, I mean, look, I don't know if you guys have heard of the ballet Trocadero, but it is a troupe of of men who dance on point. 
And if Evra gets a, a life ban, then he could just move right on to point juice. He'd look good, wouldn't he? He would look great. <laughs> well, it, it might happen. I mean, he, he has been suspended by the club indefinitely. I think they've not said a, a time frame for his return. They're going to continue doing an investigation. I think the, the fans that have been banned or about to be banned as well. I think that's Why were they insulting your own player? Well, I think that's what the Marseille president said in his statement. Obviously, he said the, the reaction is, is wrong. On, on every level, regardless of what was said, you, you can't obviously go up and kick a fan um, in the head. But, you know, he sort of said, why are you coming to support your team and then assault, insulting your own players? It just seems bizarre. Just that you must have felt like doing something similar in the past. Um, I, <laughs> I can't say I did, but... Um... I think I think for some supporters abusing the team they support is part of the is part of the draw for them. Um, I didn't think Marseille had fans like that, but but we were mentioning Sunderland earlier. I follow a few Sunderland fans on Twitter. I, I recommend it. <laughs> uh, the, the levels of Schadenfreude and self-loathing, uh, but it's very self-aware. David Priest is one. Um, is it Michael Cox? Zonal marking Michael Cox? Isn't he a Sunderland? Sport? No, no. I'm sorry. Um, Jonathan Wilson. The, thank you. The original Michael Cox, Jonathan Wilson, <laughs> is a Sunderland supporter, and it's. Um, I, I, you're all right, though. I mean, I love Patrice Evra. You you can't lash out physically at something. You know, I I, I think all bets are off when supporters come on the pitch, approach a player. I think I think if they catch a, a hand or a boot to the head, it's it's all bets are off in that situation, but. Um, I don't like to, you don't like to see it when it's abuse. Certainly don't like to see the abuse either. It's just a bad, bad deal all around. What's worse, playing in front of a really big crowd where it's just one enormous massive noise or a smaller crowd where you can hear individual shouts and insults? Well, yeah, I think you know the answer. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that was one of the difficult things about playing at the non-league level is there would very frequently be these three fellas standing behind you. Nobody to police them. Um, and, uh, and, and you can hear everything that, that they're saying. And so, um, I do remember some choice insults my way when you're in front of a decent crowd. Yeah. There's just an overall level of noise and buzz. And so you don't tend to hear in anything individual. Didn't Tim Howard say something back a couple of weeks ago? Uh, I did a couple of months ago. Yeah. And he did get, he, yeah, he was playing for the Rapids, um, I think he might have put his hand in a fan's face as well, and they, I think he got a three-game suspension. That's right. You're right, Jesse. I remember that now. Yeah, They've all been catching a lot of criticism over here. You guys might be interested to know from the U.S. failing to qualify for the World Cup. Hmm. So Tim Howard, Josie Altador, Michael Bradley, in their MLS games, they are getting a load of abuse for that. People are angry and looking for, for scapegoats to blame. Tim Howard, one one World Cup, you're getting a phone call from the president. The next one, you're not even there, and you're getting <laughs> abuse. Yeah, <laughs> it's a fickle game. Uh, back to the Premier League then. Stoke versus Leicester City in the Kevin Rooster Russell derby. Um, this is the early kickoff on Saturday. Stoke have never beaten Leicester at home in the Premier League. In fact, the last two visits to Stoke for Leicester, they've come from two down to draw two all. Um, last week, Stoke beat Watford two 0 and Leicester got back to back wins versus Everton and Swansea. Uh, I fancy this is a home win. 
What's the Stoke? Is that on? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Oh no. Uh, I think it's going. I think Leicester are going to win actually. Oh, the Puel new Puel new manager bounce. Mm. People don't like yeah. him because he's not very exciting and he's foreign. Oh, I don't like him because he's not very exciting, not because he's foreign, but. But that's just me. Yeah. I don't like him because he's foreign. Obviously, <laughs> that's my. So statement. Jesse, why are you being so you know not? Exclusive? I don't like you guys because you're foreign here. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast is in Cornwall. You're all foreign, especially you Englishmen, Ryan. Yeah, exactly. As I say, well, you, you're from a little bit up north. <laughs> yeah. I don't like anybody who's not from a part of Brooklyn. What about Five Boroughs or whatever it's called? No, forget that. Not five, even Williamsburg. Five Points or whatever. I think it's on Long Island. Sorry? I think that's on Long Island. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. It's all over that way, isn't it? And you have to take a whole train to get there. So, Forget so that. Same place at the end of the day, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Can I take a ferry? One of the, one of the boys, I'm just going to keep telling preschool stories, but one of the boys today tugged on my shoulder and, and he said, today I'm going to a whole other part of Earth. It's called New Jersey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really just a whole other part of Earth when you think about it. Well, everything's a whole other part of Earth, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Huddersfield versus West Brom. Um, first meeting since 2000 2001 season. Uh, West, here's a, uh, a lesson in physics or probability or something. West Ham have got the same, uh, West Brom have got the same number of points after 10 games, 10 points, uh, as last season, and they finished 10th. That's the Tony Pulis effect. It is, isn't it? Middle of the road. <laughs> I tell you what I did notice last week in their game against um, Manchester City is the fact that. This is, as Justin was saying, possibly the best team in the world right now. There was an awful lot of empty seats at the Hawthorns. I think people knew the result that was coming. But you would still go see them, wouldn't you? Because, you know, you can understand not going to see them against Stoke or something. But to not want to go and see some of the best players in the world. Do you know, though, I don't think I don't think City have quite earned that yet. Um, what they've, you know, they, they've, they've got the, the players now, but they don't have... I mean, and they won't. They won't do until they've got Champions League trophies. They, they, they don't have quite that uh, cachet uh, amongst the neutral. Who's in town? Manchester City. If you're not, if you if you haven't closely followed the game the last five eight years, you wouldn't um, necessarily be as intrigued by that as you would by Liverpool, Manchester United, Chelsea. These would be yeah. these would be season ticket holders, wouldn't they? For a Premier League match, you can't sort of pay in the gate anymore at a Premier League game, can you? Yeah, true, true. But you know, um, yeah, it's a good you point. Can. Hey. I think some games you can still. There's probably not many seats to get on gate, but I'm pretty certain it's still possible. I would assume that Manchester City is selling. I mean, there's still individually some unbelievable players. Mm-hmm. It just seems very, very strange that it, of all the games to have empty seats, that it would be uh, it would be that one. Um, Newcastle versus Bournemouth. Josh King is a doubt for them um, for Bournemouth, as is Benikafobi and Junior Stanislas. Uh, Rafa, when his teams have played at home on a Saturday, has only lost one out of his last fifty-eight games in the Premier League. That's a good start. That's a good start, isn't it? I'm very proud of that one. Well, I say I'm proud of it. I didn't make it up. I sort of copied it down. In fact, it might, it might have come from Alex, actually. So, um, Last week, both these teams lost 1-0. Newcastle to Burnley and Bournemouth to your dear old Chelsea, Ryan. Um, I'm still convinced that Bournemouth are going to get relegated this season. 
Yeah, Eddie, Eddie Howe's having a bit of a tough time there at the moment. It just doesn't seem to be clicking, does it? They, they've brought in some good players in the summer in, in Begovic and Ake, um, and obviously Defoe up front. And it just, there's something that just doesn't seem to be clicking. He was lauded as Arsenal Wenger's successor, or you know, the successor to a big club for a long, long time, wasn't he? Um, Jesse, is some of the shine coming off him? Um, is some of the? I, I think I wonder if the question is whether is 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 some of the shine coming off him, or should the shine be coming off him? If those are two separate questions, yes, they are. Is it is it the player's <laughs> fault? that this is right. happening rather than, than Eddie Howe's fault. Right. What's the answer? You know, were you going rhetorical or were you going to give us an answer then? No, no I, I was asking no. the question. But... Yeah. <laughs> was the question answered? I'm, <laughs> I'm confused. Well, it's hard. It's, it's hard because of how he was slotted in in the first place, whether, whether he would have been supported or or successful somewhere else or with someone else well he tried going to Burnley didn't he and then he came back after a year or so to um, back to Bournemouth didn't he he did yeah actually yeah it's, it, it's interesting I, I, I think the shine is definitely coming off of him because I think Bournemouth at one point was so you know impressive and moving up the leagues and, and now that they're in the Premier League it's it's a lot of you know mediocrity slash sort of fighting relegation. I mean, was it the last season that they they started really well and it looked like they were going to be sort of quite high up in the league and then they ended up getting dragged back in towards the end because they just they went on a, a streak of just not getting any points. Yeah, I think they did, didn't they? I mean, just you get these teams every now and then that come up and they have a good first season like Reading or Ipswich they've done in the past all and then they struggle in the seasons afterwards. So it's one thing getting to the Premier League, it's another thing staying there, isn't it? Yeah, I think that, you know, obviously a lot of teams go up and then come straight back down again, but but you are buoyed somewhat when you first come up by just the excitement of being in the Premier League and, and the the players who uh, came, you know, were part of the promotion are eager to prove themselves at that level, and, and for the home matches you're getting these big clubs coming to your ground for the first time in X number of years, you lose that buzz the second season. And maybe there's also a little bit of satisfaction at having stayed up. So for these sides that do manage to stay up and now they're dealing with the second season in the top flight, um, maybe a little bit of the buzz is gone and also, um, you know, just the, the, the drive to do it has been, to, to stay up has been satisfied once and it's maybe a little harder to sustain. Yeah, I think you're quite right there. Um Swansea versus, uh, sorry, Swansea versus Brighton or Southampton versus Burnley. Anything interesting from there, apart from the fact that this Swansea versus uh, Brighton is the um, bird mascot derby? <laughs> I think the, Burn- the Burnley one's uh, potentially quite interesting because it could, in theory, be Sean Dyche's last game. It would be mental to yeah. try and take the Everton job. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean... The, the, the surprising thing about that, the Everton situation is that the biggest rumour going around that I keep seeing is that Sam Allardyce is, is now yeah. becoming the favourite. So, you know, at what point does Sam Allardyce, at this stage in his career, become the favourite for the Everton job? Uh, Rather than, say, the Leicester position that, you know, now um, Claude Puel has taken. But, I mean, I think, yeah, Sean Dyche is a good manager, so but to, to leave Burnley where they're at right now to go to Everton, I mean, it, it would be a very difficult decision to make. How many managers do we think are going to still have their jobs 
by the end of the season. Current managers. We're definitely we're definitely in the realm of, of seeing a couple go. At this moment in time, as, as a Chelsea fan, I can't see Conte staying until the end of the season. Mm. Either January will just frustrate him with lack of transfers, or Roman Abramovich will get rid of him. Uh, you know, the classic Chelsea problem. Will he bring Rafa in for the last three months? No, he'd, he'd probably bring Ancelotti in for the last three months. Or Gus Hiddink. Or Gus Hiddink again, yeah. <laughs> uh, Everton versus Watford then. Well, we'll talk about Everton a little bit because uh, David Unsworth is there. They lost in the Europa League last night, didn't they? Jerry Barton's had a little pop at um, David Unsworth's mate, hasn't he? Who saw that? I did see that. I just thought, Jerry Barton, I mean, he's still serving his ban, isn't he? So I don't know what he's he's trying to achieve. Uh, I think he was on Talk Sport or something, wasn't he? That well-known bastion I, of. Uh... You know, I was listening to him on Talk Sport, and I must have, I must have, uh, I get that on the satellite radio, and um, I got bored after a while and changed the channel, and I'm, I missed having <laughs> up David on That's something. <laughs> yeah, I think he made a few points, didn't he? But I think one of the, yeah, this, this is the sort of soundbite that's been picked out more by everybody else, hasn't it? Is uh, is PE teacher comment? I didn't, I didn't hear that, but I. I'm amazed people aren't still talking about Phil Neville's defense of David Unsworth and about why he should have that manager's job. And if you heard the basis of it, it's because Everton are different and he knows Everton. And I thought, I wonder how many clubs you could you could credibly make that claim about around the world. Probably close to a hundred. Uh, yeah, um, Graham Sooner said pretty much the same thing. Yeah, I mean, what what makes them different? They're they're a good club. They they're They've won league titles. They've, they've got a long and proud history. But there's, there's nothing about the operation of that club as manager that, that differentiates itself in any other way, any meaningful way, that would, that would make it hard for an ex, a skilled and experienced manager who doesn't happen to have any Everton background to do that job. It, it's not a great argument. And he could even be right, Phil Neville, but the way he made his argument, it was a... It was a circular argument. Basically, he's the best man for the Everton job because he's an Everton man, and you have to be an Everton man to do the Everton job. It didn't really demonstrate any reason why that is. No, it's yeah. bizarre. That he's... is the most circular thinking. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Phil Neville was out of few weirdness this week anyway. Yeah, I stopped <laughs> listening to him a couple of weeks ago when he delved into American politics. I was done. Oh, did, what did he say? Oh, he, he did, did on little... Twitter. He what, sorry? Did he said something about Trump, the... didn't he? He, no. said, he said something about Hillary, wasn't it? Didn't he oh, say that's right. Asked, you know, yeah, move yeah, on. Yeah, get, up, get over guys. it. Yeah. yeah. Did he? He's <laughs> a bit of an idiot. Yeah, he's the lesser talented Neville, definitely. <laughs> In all respects. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, final thing before we go. World Soccer Magazine have um, printed an article a couple of days ago where it's from 2007 where they've named their top 10 teenagers, to, or top 50 teenagers it was, uh, to look out for. So uh, I'll give you a couple of names. Eva Benega was number 50. Theo Walcott was in there. Uh, Alexis oh. Sanchez was only 42. Anyone want to guess at any of the other names? David Bentley? No, he was. he's older than me. He wasn't a teenager. Um, would, would, uh, how, how old is Bale? Would Bale be on there? Gareth Bale was on there, yeah. Yeah. <gasps> oh. Gareth well, Bale was. Gareth, one, two, three, four, five. Gareth Bale was sixth. Aguero. Okay. Aguero was seventh. Okay. Uh, um, Bojan was eighth. Hazard. No. 
No, oh, he would have been too young. He would have been, yeah, so, yeah, of yeah. course, he would have been about 13. <laughs> okay, yeah. let me give you some of these names. Fifth was Giovanni Dos Santos. Fourth was Anderson, Ooh. former Manchester United. Oh, <laughs> God. Third was Alexander Pato. Oh, oh okay. yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, other names in there were Fellaini at 20th, Tony Cruz, 27, Walmata, 28, Ozil, 37, Micah Richards, 41. Um, now some of the names you've not heard of number 10th is Gerardo Bruno uh, who was at Liverpool at the time and is now at Ottawa Fury Uh, it was at Accrington Stanley Um, Breno Burgos or Borgos uh, who was at Sao Paulo at the time he had four years at Bayern Munich but is now now back at Sao Paulo and on loan to Vasco da Gama now the top two uh, number two was uh, Ishmael Isati who was at PSV at the time uh, and currently has no club and was last in Turkey and wow. number one, bearing in mind some of those names I've just read out, Aguero, Bale, uh, Anderson. Uh, number one top te- top teenager from 10 years ago was Sadik Adams. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was at Atletico Madrid at the time uh, and now plays for Akasanti Kotoko SC in Ghana. Wow. Wow. Did you say it was... It was... Anderson and Pato were both top five. Pato uh, was third, Anderson fourth, Giovanni dos Santos fifth. So that's two of the top five done in by the fork. The fork? The United fork. Uh, no, the fork that you use to shovel food endlessly into your face. <laughs> yeah. well, oh. oh, I see. Sorry. <laughs> I thought that was a name for somebody. Sorry. Yeah, I was... Uh, okay. Where's Pato now? He's back in Brazil, isn't he, after Chelsea? Yes. Wasn't there some scandal involved with Pato? He was married to or going out with Sylvia Sylvia Berlusconi's daughter, wasn't he? Ah, there you go. Uh, well, anything involved with Berlusconi is a scandal. So. <laughs> yeah, Anderson's back in Brazil as well, isn't he? Wow. Does number the the man who's number one? Does he play for the Ghanaian national team? No, he is. Um, let me have a look because he's not Ghanaian. I think he's German. Any goalkeepers make the list, Chris? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to have to do some furious Googling here. Hang on one second. Uh, oh, no, he's born in Ghana. Um, let me have a look at it again. Is there any other kind of Googling? <laughs> <laughs> Years ago, there was Netscaping, wasn't there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, right. Here's the full list. So, do you want to go through all 50? No. Absolutely not. <laughs> That's definitive. Huh? I have as long to live as the rest of you, so no. <laughs> I only see that. I'm trying to have a look here. Uh, Gregory van der Weel is on there. Um, Sergio Tejara from Chelsea was on there. Oh, God, yeah. You remember him? I remember the name, yeah. Uh, I've got no I idea. I remember him being around the club. I can't remember. I don't know who half these players are uh, just so I don't know if any of them were uh, players or not. Someone called Kermit was okay. on there. Well, hopefully they were all players. Did oh, yeah, they were. Yeah. Did you tweet this or did, did, did you like retweet this at any point? No, I'm going to. I only found it literally before we, called, we recorded. Uh, okay, because I've been just going to this with my kid game football manager knowledge. Yeah, well, um, Fabio Contrao was 19. Kermit Erasmus, what a fantastic name that was. <laughs> Uh, Fabio from Manchester United. Uh, Karim Benzema was 15. Franco De Santos, 13. Ango Di Maria, Franco 11. De Santo. God. Yeah. Ango Di Maria was 11th. Mm. I, I just like the way that, that you make him into a like geometry question. Angle, yeah. Sorry. 
It's great. It's so good. What have I done wrong? <laughs> Say it properly. You, ha- you have this in, in 97 um, WhatsApp messages and, and Twitter messages phonetically. <laughs> Go on then, pronounce it for me. Angel. It's a soft G. I can't do that. Angel. I can't do that. <laughs> you can't. It's not German. You don't have to, you don't have to lem it up. <laughs> Say it again. Well, you live so close to Wales. You have to be good at this. Angel. Angel. There you go. That's pretty good, actually. Yeah. Do you know what? I wrote down... Where's the Premier League fixtures? Uh, I wrote down um, Angel Rangel because he's out. And I always love saying his name. How do you say that then? Angel Rangel. <laughs> Don't you laugh, Ryan, as if you can say it properly. I can't. I'm not going to lie. I'm not trying to pretend. <laughs> Go on, then. Say Angel Rangel, Ryan. Angel Rangel. Rangel. <laughs> it's like every time I have to pronounce somebody's name in German. I still can't do Mesut Ozil's name correctly. I know I can't. It's Ozil, isn't it? As if it's Ozil. you are. <laughs> but anyway, that brings us to the end of our podcast. So, Jesse, if they want to pull you up on some of your English pronunciations, how do they find you on Twitter? Oh, man. Uh, at Jesse Loesch. Okay, Justin, how do they do the same for you? Wait, Justin, say uh, it slowly yeah. so I could type it yeah. into my search box. Je- Jesse can find me on Twitter um, at Keepers Union. Um, there's an underscore between Keepers and Union. That was oh, a well, bad that's idea. the problem. Yeah, that, that was a bad idea. I don't know why I did that. Oh, look, there you are. Hang on. Yeah. It's happening. He's got a blue oh, tick I and everything. Oh, I don't follow you. Why not? We knew there. that. <laughs> Done. I... <laughs> and you need to follow Man on the Post as well. It's so a bare minimum of being on no, the show is following them. <laughs> yeah, I just got the notification. Hooray. Ta-da! Hey. Ryan, uh, if Jessie wants to follow you, how does she do that? Oh, she does. Sorry. At the Ryan Goodman. At the Ryan Goodman. Uh, Jessie, at Man on the Post is the Twitter account if you want to follow how that. How do I follow them? You. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and it's also the same for Instagram as well. Should any of you wish to follow Man of the Post on Instagram? You have to put some more pictures of Quaresma up on there. I think there's one up there. Uh, I it thought it should be every day just a different picture of Quaresma. <laughs> I should do a Ricardo Quaresma fan page, shouldn't I? Yes. <laughs> it should be like, a, like, you know, the calendar of the day. It should be the Quaresma of the day. <laughs> oh, there should be. What have you we know? got on there? We've got a picture of Pepe on there. Uh, and Requelme on there. My final thought is I know I said Man City are best team in the world. What... Besiktas could win the Champions League. Oh. And then everyone's going to come to them. And yes. Oh, see, that. that was a, that's a double entendre there that I made by accident, but that's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you got, you said that, but you didn't get the joke out of it. Is that? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm not confused. good at this. I'm confused. <laughs> uh, well, look, Russ and the guys, I think might be back on Sunday because I think there might be a new presenter on Sunday. Ooh. So keep your eyes and ears out for Is that. Is it Jesse? It's Jesse. Yeah, and then there'll be no more Sunday podcast after that. (laughs) Um, We're part of the World Football Index, which is at World Football Line on Twitter. There's all sorts of podcasts, as I say, coming out all the while on there from uh, all across the globe. Uh, If you uh, happen to wander by maybe the largest Apple store in the world, Jesse, in New York, then pop in and subscribe to Man on the Post in there because all subscriptions bump us up the charts. Um, Guys, thank you ever so much for joining us. Thank you. It was great. Thank you. And always remember to keep your man on the post. <laughs>